and child hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. When we are here, Alan Haugam is going to pinch hit for Merle Kelch today, attorney at law here in Wausau and uh, specializing in elder uh, estate planning stuff like that. And he is here to take your questions about those topics. But as we say, every time he comes on the show, he did graduate from law school and had to learn all of the laws. All the laws, Tom. It, uh, it, there's a lot. I mean, there's a long list there. It's a big book to carry around. You know, do doctors have to learn all of the medicine, even if they're going to specialize in something? <laughs> well, I think so. The uh, <clears throat> you know, and they have all of the general classes. Obviously, those those docs are doing the same thing because they have to be conversant in it or a little bit of uh, how does it uh, relate to what they're doing. But uh, for us, for the the law school part of it, really, there are very few. There's only a couple of of, of areas that uh, specialize. That at least uh, you know, this is when I went to school, which is you know back in the old days. I, I'm old enough now; I can say this back in the yeah, you know, older yeah, yeah. times. Mm-hmm. But uh, patent law. So if you are uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, one of those 18-page, one-sentence patent applications, uh, not a misprint. You know, pages and pages and pages with lots of semicolons. Or I believe there's a there's a maritime or an admiralty uh, angle where you need a special license. But other than that, Tom, they make us learn all of it. So, okay. Uh, Kind of fun, and, and we all watch the paper chase, so we know how difficult that is, right? <laughs> I had that professor. I had the guy who who may have been the model for John Houseman in that. Not, not literally, but but he was, it was he was like that exactly. Yeah. He was uh, he had the English accent, even though he's from New Jersey. You know, big, tall, <laughs> broad-shouldered, white-haired guy who was revered. Yep, same thing. All right. Well, uh, you uh, learned all of your lessons well, and especially in estate planning law, and that's why uh, you set up shop in that area of the law. And uh, we are here to take your questions today, 715-845-2155. If you have a family member that's nearing um, the... Kind of the retirement years or, or getting you know later in a career, sure. Right, that that, and then also, of course, if you're nearing death, and we don't like to talk about it. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, that a lot of families don't like to discuss what's going to happen after somebody dies, and they leave it to the last minute, and sometimes that's too late. Well, you know, and one of the things, too, that we'd like to talk about is it's difficult, it becomes more difficult to talk about later. Uh, this is an easier topic to talk about now. You know, it's it's an easier thing to talk about now. I say, well, if something ever happens to me, here's how I want, you know, my wife. You know, I'm, I happen to be married. I have two children. And, and I say, well, you know, here's what happens if I die. And here's how, how we want the kids. And something happens to my wife, but I'm still living. And it's kind of an easier topic because I don't think I'm going to die today, Tom, or, or anytime soon. But uh, Well, you uh, don't think so, but you don't exactly. know, right? I, I don't mean, think I've, so. I've had friends that, you know, have had aneurysms or heart attacks mm-hmm. and they're dead before they hit the floor. I mean, so nobody wakes up and thinking thinks they're going to die today. No, a friend of mine, uh, one of his co-workers who's a couple years younger than me died this week and it was just, it, it happened and they were uh, enjoying themselves and then that was it. So it, it happens and I think, but part of the, you know, the, the, the takeaway is that just get it done. You know, I think that's what we tell people is just get it done. What's the best way to do it? Uh, what What's the best result to have? Uh, and sometimes people just don't know the questions. So uh, a little bit is just that. Just talk about what what's involved, what are the questions, and, and then whether you do something about it or not is, is really up to you in the end. Well, we are a procrastinating society. and <laughs> Never do anything today that you can do tomorrow. So I would imagine that you deal with a lot of that when people come in and say, you know, I haven't done anything. Where do I start? Well, you know, and we get a lot of, you know, we've been talking about this and we've been talking about this and we've been talking about this. And, and then finally we thought, you know what, it's, let's just call. And then at the end, you know, we'll go through it and say, okay, you know, and they think it's going to be a difficult process. I, I had a very sweet lady tell me she was nervous to talk to me. I'm like, boy, you shouldn't be nervous to talk to me. I'm about the, the easiest going guy you've met. But 
it's one where, you know, really it's, it's just once we get to the end of some of those meetings, you know, people say it's been years that they've been waiting to actually talk about this. Uh, they sit down, go through it, and they leave with a smile or they laugh a little bit and they're like, wow, that was easy. Like, I didn't realize, you know, I, I didn't know what I don't know. And maybe just to, to just say it out loud. And then you put something on paper and say, well, this is what I would prefer. Um, and of course, people say, I, if something ever happens to me, I want to make this more confusing, more difficult, <laughs> more uh, lengthy, a lot more expensive, make it, you know, and they go, has that ever happened? No, no one has ever said that in my entire career. Obviously, they say the opposite of all of those things. So you just do it. All right. When they come in for that meeting, A, what do they bring? And B, what's the first question you ask them? You know, uh, well, I'll tell you both. Uh, what they, what they, they, what the first question we ask, maybe that's a better way to start, is what are your goals? You know, I have literally a, a piece of paper, a pre-printed piece of paper that I show to every client that says uh, client's goals. And I do that intentionally because I want them to know that it's not what I think is important. It's what do they want to accomplish? And sometimes people are taken aback by that because they say, well, we thought you were the expert. You're going to tell us yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. You're going to tell us what to do. Right. And I say, well, I think, you know, my job or, or what I think of my job is, is to educate you about what you can do. Uh, what are the options? And then in the end, uh, you can choose. And, and there's there's sometimes, you know, about two seconds of, okay, well, I, I, I didn't realize that was the process. Well, let's start. And we'll, we'll go through it. And, and really what we want to know is just, I would say, starting about family. You know, it, everything revolves around family, whether it's a husband and wife. You know, if they say, well, we're a husband and wife, we don't have any children, uh, good, that's your family. And, and who, do you want to, um, who, do you, who do you want to take care of? And a lot of times it's each other. You know, really goal number one is to make sure if you're married, uh, for the married folks, you want to make sure that each other is taken care of. And there are different ways to do that, different things that, that means. You know, probably during our lifetimes while we're both living, if something happens to one of us that, that we had declining health, you know, what if one was incapacitated? Or sometime, at some point in time, it's, you know, what if one passes away? Well, how do we handle that? What if the surviving spouse becomes incapacitated? You know, just all these things. So sometimes people come in thinking, all right, where does my stuff go when I die? And I say, no, it's not, it's not nearly that stark. Um, there are all kinds of stages in between then. So we start with and say, you know, what about family? So sometimes we'll just ask, you know, who's in the family? You know, first, uh, do you do you have children? If you do, uh, are you married? You know, we have some folks that are single, some folks that are married, some some people have kids, some people don't have kids. Uh, sometimes it's just a group of siblings. You know, we'll have four siblings that just want to make sure that the the family cottage stays in the family. And that can get kind of difficult when you have four separate siblings and they might, some be married, some not, some have kids, some not, some have goals, some have uh, uh, more assets to uh, to 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 use for this piece of property. But we just go through, and there's a whole range of, uh, once we get to that, you know, really what categories of assets do people have things in? You know, because there's a little bit of a difference. If you say, well, I have a house and a checkbook, and that's it, and it's never going to change, and I lease my car. I mean, that's all. <laughs> you say, well, okay, then that might be a different a different situation if someone has a, a life insurance. That might not be something that they count or that they treat as an asset. They don't think of it that way. But when they pass away, that's a big death benefit that's going to go to the people who receive it. So we have to plan for them. You know, what's the, what's the best way? The state certainly thinks that's part of your estate that is part of what will be transferred when you pass away. So let's plan for that. Uh, other people, it's the farm. You know, I've, I've said many times on the show, I grew up on a, a small farm. I'm from Edgar originally. And some of our best friends in the world to this day are farmers and farm families. And there's a different just kind of a thought process just because, you know, is the next generation going to take over the family farm? 
uh, it's becoming, I would say, more and more expensive to do that. You know, you don't see many, um, uh, you know, many 18-year-olds uh, or 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds who just say, you know what, I think I'm going to start a farm. Uh, because you literally just couldn't, you couldn't come up with that capital. You couldn't borrow that much to money. To start, yeah. To, to it's, it's take just, over the family farm is a different animal. But even, yep. and he, no pun intended, but even then, uh, a lot of uh, younger people just see the the hours and the work right. involved and, and the return and say, this is not for me. A lot of people work hard in this world. I've never seen anyone work harder than, than farmers, uh, than, than, you know, particularly for us dairy farmers. But uh, so, so sometimes the question is, in those families, um, how do we, what's the best way to transfer this? If we want this this operation to continue for one more generation, that's a big deal, you know, and that's that's pretty important. I just had a friend, uh, uh, someone I grew up with, a neighbor of mine I went to high school with. His uh, his family farm just turned 150 years, I believe, this year. You know, so uh, uh, for them, that's a big deal. So how does that transfer? What's the best way to do it? So for me, it's it's you know, what do they have? Who's in the family? And what are their goals? And it's pretty easy. I would say most of those things that people would bring to that meeting. They could probably, uh, they could probably recite without any paperwork or or anything, you know. And, and I would imagine most people come in thinking that well, it's automatic. All of my stuff will go to the surviving spouse. Yeah, that, that, that is that, one. That's the that way it is, one right? Thing people think, yeah. And, but that's not the case. Of course not. No, yeah. that's uh, the government would you know that'd be way too easy to do, <laughs> um, you know. And, and part of it is, uh, or even if it would, even if certain things would transfer to a spouse. Uh, the manner in which it transfers to the spouse. You know, what's the method for doing it? Well, of course, it could be easy. We could just say, well, we're just going to do this the easy way. Uh, if I'm married, everything goes to my spouse. But of course, even for that, you have to do it in a particular way. I think part of it is, um, you know, if, I'll give an example, Tom, if um, something happens to me, you know, my wife's name is Tracy, and you say, well, does everything I have, if I, if I pass away, does it go to Tracy? And I would say, well, wait a minute. If right now Wisconsin says I have half of everything and Tracy has half of everything, you know, it's just, and you say, well, you know, does is her bank account a little bit bigger than mine or my this thing is a little bit bigger than hers? But Wisconsin says, no, nope, we're married. We live in Wisconsin. It's half and half. So if I pass away, you know, I would say my half goes to Tracy. But if my half goes to Tracy, then any creditors Tracy has for the rest of her lifetime, not only can they get her half, they can also get my half. So sometimes we'll talk to clients about that. I say, is that okay with you? And some people say, yep, don't care. Um, not too many, <laughs> but, uh, but someone might say that, and that's okay. If that's, if that's the case, I will write that on my list of the client's goals and we'll make it, make sure that that just gets to the surviving spouse. If I said, well, wait a minute, I want this to go to Tracy. I want her to be able to use it, save it, spend it, invest it, move it around, use it for ourselves, for herself, use it for kids, use it for what, for her rest of her lifetime. But I don't want Tracy's creditors to ever be able to touch it. Uh, you know, would that be a goal? And sometimes people say, yeah. That's, that's what was on my mind. Or one of the spouses will say, yeah, that's on my mind. So who would Tracy's creditors be? And then we might start talking about who that might be for the rest of her lifetime. Well, if you're talking about creditors, what about the other way? Uh, are you responsible for uh, any debts that your spouse would have when they pass away and vice versa? In, Wisco <clears throat> excuse me, in Wisconsin, yes. So if, um, if, if somebody has a, a, a huge credit card bill, one, uh, one person in a marriage, they die— the remaining spouse is is responsible for that credit card bill. Yeah, we have uh, some some very strong marital property laws about that, uh, and the Marital Property Act. It's 35 years old now. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, it makes some things easier. It brings some things together, but it also uh, kind of drags you into uh, situations you weren't expecting, including debt, including if you have a prenuptial agreement. 
uh, and you, you can have a prenuptial agreement, Tom, that says, I am not, I, 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 I agree that I am not responsible for my spouse's debts. My spouse agrees that, that she, in this case, uh, she is not responsible for my debts. And then when the creditor comes calling uh, and they say, well, we're sorry, but we're going to uh, garnish both of your assets and you hold up this piece of paper uh, that the you know they've never seen. They say, we don't care. So yeah, that is a big deal. So can we fix that? A legal document that's not worth the paper it's written on? Well, not for the creditor it's not if they don't have notice of it ahead of time. Ah. So what ends up happening is people say, well, I thought that was covered. I have a piece of paper. I signed it. So did she. So did my spouse. And uh and they say, well, you didn't give it to the right people, and you didn't give it to the right people at the right time, and you didn't. Uh, and all those things happen. So again, we go back to what are your goals? Uh, what do you want to accomplish? If something happens to you, uh, do you want some future creditor to have a right to all of not only your spouse's assets who's still living, but also yours that you gave to him or her? Um, and that's a question. And then people say, you know what? Probably I'd like to protect those. Can we do that? Say yeah. So that that uh, that that oftentimes is where the conversation then continues. So. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know. By experience at SeniorCorps.gov. And we're back here in the studio, and uh, we are here with Alan Haugam, attorney at law here in Wausau, taking your phone calls and questions. I see we have the phone lighting up, so let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Okay. It's a new board. It is, but I thought it was working. Hello? They can't hear us, can they? Hmm. It worked last week. It worked the first week I used it, and now, of course, it's not. All right. uh, Try again. 715-845-2155. We'll try to figure out what's going on here. Call us back. We'll figure it out. We need to practice. Uh, We may figure it out. Let's let's say we may figure (laughs) it out. Um, But we were talking before the uh, break about things that people need to bring to their first meeting with you and how how you would proceed from there. And you thought most of them, they would know off the top of their head what they own and what they have and what they want to pass on. Yeah, and I think most of it, and a little bit is, it's a pretty low barrier, a little, pretty low bar to entry is you say, just bring in the things, uh, if you just bring in the information. And I think, you know, sometimes it's just write it down ahead of time because we're going to talk about, you know, the other thing we'll talk about is if you say, well, we are giving things to this particular family member or this particular child, uh, you know, it might depend on that person's situation it might depend on their family situation so that's why we want to talk about uh family a little bit more than than even some people expect all right i guess we'll try this again and see if we can get it to work good morning who are we talking to hmm. all of the buttons appear to be on i will do the play-by-play of tom <laughs> working the new space age uh, well, I'm not quite sure why it worked last and week, and it's not working now. Interesting. The just bring your question down in written form. <laughs> yeah. Okay. To the, we'll sure. Meet you in the parking sure. lot. Sure. Hold it up. We'll look out the window. Social distancing. We'll hold it up in big letters out the window, and we'll try to. No, answer we'll it. figure out the phones. Just um, call back. We'll figure out the phones. Now, I think when people talk about uh, when we talk about family, you know, sometimes folks say, "Well, uh, well, I've got uh, three kids, and and that's the way it works." Well, then we'll, we might ask. You know, if, if we want to continue this extension of protecting things, you know, do you want to protect things that you give to kids? You say, well, is a child of yours married? And if they are, 
then how do we handle that? Um, the you know, and, and it might be if you give things to a child, do you want that uh, the money to stay with the child? And you go, well, of course I do. That's why I named you know my daughter. Uh, of course I want to give it to my daughter. But if your your daughter's husband ever comes home one day with the midlife crisis and declares today is the day we get a divorce, uh, do you want her to keep? all of her inheritance, or do you want her to keep half of it and lose half of it to that now rotten ex-son-in-law who's leaving with the red convertible and his new girlfriend? And you go, what are you talking about? My, my life in my life savings uh, going to my daughter and half of it leaves with this no good rotten. uh, And I say, well, take your pick. You know, what, what should we add to on our list of the client's goals? And, And it's sometimes those things where people say, Okay, well, I guess, you know, that makes sense. And it's one of those that that we just kind of add to the list. And sometimes people say, yeah, that makes sense. Why? I can't believe we didn't do this sooner. Boy, we got to get this done. And then we'll have people who didn't do this for 50 or 60 years of their lives all of a sudden say, can we get this done today? Can I sign something today? (laughs) I'm like, no, we will sign it very soon. But just, uh, you know, make sure you're healthy for the next week or two. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, Let's try this again. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. Hey, it works. How about that? Success. Good morning. Go ahead. You're on with Alan. Go ahead. You're on. Go ahead. I'm talking. Oh, oh good. Excellent. Go ahead. If you're talking, we're not hearing you. Hmm. This is Barbara. Oh, go ahead, morning, Barbara. Barbara. Yep, go ahead. Um, my question is, is there a time frame for filing probate? There is, actually, Barbara. Uh, and there's, there's a little bit of a subtlety to it in that the state says that the, a will, after someone passes away, that any will they have has to be filed within 30 days. And you say, ooh, okay, well, 30 days. Uh, some, t- some people say, well, 30 days, we're going to get this done in, you know, three days. Uh, other people say 30 days, you know, I, I couldn't possibly, I'm, I'm still, so we, have, we, do, we still have a lot of clients who are still grieving at 40 day, or 30 days. So what happens is uh, that's really just a time frame that they say, and there's a reason for it. Uh, the reason they say 30 days is they want you to start that process within a reasonable period of time. And if you don't, what that does is it then allows the creditors uh, of the deceased to start that probate process without you. So, uh, the, and the reason, that's the reason the state has some form of, of time limit on it, is that if you say, well, wait a minute, this is Tom's example of, he said, well, what if my spouse, and we have had spouses all of a sudden find out that... Um, you know, the person they were married to passed away and uh, the person who passed away had all the credit cards in their name and they got the mail and there's big credit card bills and, and they never even knew about it. That really does happen. Not not a lot, but it but it has. So what the creditors, the creditors still have a right to be paid. And what we don't want, what the state doesn't want, I should say, the state doesn't want the surviving spouse or the surviving family just to continue to use the cars and the uh, and the the property and the real estate. That there is a there's a system of of kind of equity that says when someone passes away, you do have a period of time to kind of gather things up. But then there is also a requirement to start that process. If you don't start it within those 30 days, then the creditor can come in and basically start one almost on an involuntary basis. They can just go in and say, look, we are owed money. Um, we've, we've waited this uh, this 30-day period where the family had uh, to start it, but otherwise we do have the ability to start it. And then once that happens, sometimes it, it kicks it into gear. You say, well, what if I waited more than 30 days and there wasn't any creditor issues? It just took me a little longer, 45 days or 60 days. You know, is, is someone coming to my house and, and knocking on my door and, uh, you know, am I in trouble for this? 
Not really. You know, there's really not. And I, and I don't want to encourage anyone to to go past that intentionally. We would certainly encourage you to start it at least by that amount of time and probably sooner. But um, but, you know, really what you do is you have the the requirement to just transfer things, transfer assets, pay the bills, make sure everything gets done. And uh, and that's a good time frame for it. That's a good time frame to like, get started. So if if this hasn't been initiated, um, can it still be filed with the local probate office in Marathon County? Sure. Yeah, if the person who passed away was a resident of Marathon County or whatever yes. county it was. Now, if someone says, well, wait a minute, what if they're on vacation to Florida? Well, that's okay. You can be on vacation, but you're not a resident of, of Florida or any other place. You say, where are you a resident when you passed away? And that's the that's the appropriate county to start the process. But there have been cases, certainly, where we'll have people who just didn't do anything. Like, they literally just didn't do anything. Or they thought, as Tom was referring to in the beginning, they thought everything just came to me. Well, my spouse passed away, so it should just be mine. And they just went along with the, with life for a year. And suddenly they came upon some kind of an, a roadblock where there was an asset that was titled in a person who passed away a year ago. What do we do then? Well, then we go in and, and we'll start the probate then. Um, it would be nice to start it sooner. It's much easier if you start it sooner, but, but it is will it, get done. Is it a death certificate like put on file from the medical examiner's office or the funeral home that would kickstart this process? Yeah, the, 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 there's a death certificate that comes in usually within a couple of days, in most cases, as long as the, the death wasn't um, you know, a, a, of an unknown uh, reason. But yeah, the death certificate is there. It doesn't mean the process gets started. Oh, okay. So it, you know, because there might be a person who doesn't have any assets, or it might be a person who did things privately, or as we might talk in the second half of the show, is uh, it might be someone who did things and wanted to avoid the probate system entirely. So so probate is not automatic by any stretch, and and a lot of times people do a lot to try to avoid it if they can. All right, you good? Thanks, Barbara. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. We'll take a break for some news. We're going to come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Place with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you put off doctor visits during the pandemic, now is a good time to call your pediatrician. It's just being the best that I can be. Greg Gadsden, thank you for your service. May your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Alan Haugam. We had to come to work today because we didn't invest in GameStop in the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, uh, those who did, uh, a couple of them are going to do well and a couple of them might not. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the way it works, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the way it works. We'll find a lot, out a lot more on Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are here to take your questions. 715-845-2155. Uh, Alan specializes in elder estate law, things like that. Give us a call. You talked before the break about... Uh, making the decision to protect things from probate. And uh, I guess that would be a question that folks would ask when they come in. Um, you, you always make the point, do you want to make this this a process easier and less expensive and uh, all of that, or do you want it the other way? And, of course, no, nobody would answer they want it the other way. No, and I think it, it's one of those where uh, it a little bit of a, oh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure sort of thing, where 
you say, here's the process. And that's a lot of, you know, just the education side ahead of time. You say, here's the process if someone passes away. Uh, it's not really that difficult if one spouse passes away, but but something someday something will happen to the second spouse, or if you're single, eventually all of us are single. I would imagine some people say, you know, I don't want to spend that amount of money now. Uh, I just don't. And I guess give us a ballpark figure as to how much you have to have oh, in order to sure. make it worth spending the money up front with you to put the plan together. Well, I think the, the state gives us a little bit of guidance, uh, almost like a backhanded guidance, in that they say, uh, if you have less than $50,000 of property total, uh, so less than $50,000 that would go through your will or go through this probate process, that that the, the process of doing it is so expensive that the, the, it's really not much more than the honor system. It sounds strange. And you say, well, that can't really be, the, that's not the rule, is it? Well, they don't call it the honor system. But basically what you're doing is, is somebody just swears that they're going to, they'll pay the bills, but it does not go through the probate. So, so think about that. $50,000 sounds like a lot of money to me. But if, if the court says, look, even that amount of money, um, you know, we'll just let you just transfer it because the, the process is so onerous. And so if you get beyond that, if you get beyond 50000 and some people say 50000 you know, some people think that's a very small amount of money. Some people think that's a tremendous amount. But but that's kind of the number for the state. If you get past that, then uh, the it really just becomes, you know, you get to choose. It's going to go through some process or another that it has to, that there has to be a way, you know, the, the, the laws are set up. There has to be a way to transfer it. And you get to choose what you want. Do you want it to be uh, through the courthouse or do you want to avoid the courthouse? And people say, is that really a question? Yep, really a question. Uh, do you want to... Uh, to have this take, you know, do you want to have these series of time periods uh, or do you want to avoid those series of time periods? You say, well, is there a reason that we would make it delay? Is there a reason that we would cause an intentional delay? And I say, you know, I'm just here to take notes. You just let me know. <laughs> you know, and it's and not quite. There's a little bit of tongue in cheek involved, but it really is. You say, here's the process doing it one way and here's the process doing it another way. And you can just pick. And, you know, for some people, you know, even the, the court processes are a public record. Probate is a court process, and it's a public record. So if someone wants to go down to the courthouse and find out what another person had um, after you pass away, not while you're living, but after you pass away, it's a public record. Your will is a public record after you die if it goes through the probate process. The assets that you had are a public record. Uh, so, and some people, that really bothers. You know, they just don't, they don't think that now... Uh, they might not care about themselves. They say, well, I'm gone. It's not, not a big difference to me. Uh, I don't care if anybody knows what I have. I'm, I, I died. But it, it does make a difference to me that anyone I give it to is going to know where it is. You know, and a little bit of that gets, you know, kind of ties into the example I was talking about before. With uh, I, I used my wife Tracy as the example. If she's the surviving spouse, you know, do I want her to, um, to go through a lengthier, more time-consuming process? If something happens to both of us, do we want our kids or whoever's going to handle it? We want them to go through a lengthier, more expensive, more time-consuming process. The government wants you to, uh, you know, and there might be a, a couple of, you know, whatever the, the local courthouse lawyer that uh, doesn't have a whole lot to do this week, he wants you to because that's that's extra time. Probate's pretty easy legal work. It's just time-consuming. So when you when you hire the lawyer and you pay him by the hour, you know, that that's what you get. But it's one where could you avoid it? And you say, yeah, you can. You know, and then the other part of it is you say, well, how do you want to give things to people? And I think it's really just the process. You go down the line. So what we'll have is is if I say, well, if I pass away and I give things to my wife, uh, her creditors, and her creditors could be, you know, I'm not worried about her getting into a car accident, you know, because she has car insurance and those things. 
but it might be if a you know what if she's what if she gets remarried when she's 87 you know she gets swept off her feet by some uh, uh, smooth talking uh, 83 year old you know it's uh, some young fella like that and you go wait a minute um, you know Wisconsin didn't didn't you just get done saying that Wisconsin says everything is 50 50 for spouses and I say yeah I just got done saying that so if she gets remarried now does that person does that future spouse have a right to half of everything she has. And, and not literally on the wedding day, but not long after that, Wisconsin, so yeah, it all gets sucked into this marital property idea. And people kind of gasp a little bit. So now her her future spouse has a right to more assets than our kids do? Um, that's a problem, you know, and I don't I don't particularly want that. So what I would say is when I, when I pass away, maybe I'll give everything so that Tracy can use it and she can be in charge of it and she can spend it and save it and invest it and use it for our kids and maybe we'll have grandkids someday, uh, all those kinds of things. But... I don't want her creditors to have a right to my half. They're going to have a right to her half. I don't want them to have a right to my half. Does that make sense? And, does, and you say, well, yeah, well, does Tracy care? And I say, well, she's she's going to use it regardless. So if I set it up so that regardless of how I set it up, she can use it, save it, spend it, invest it, move it around, buy things, sell things, use it for our kids, use it for our grandkids, do whatever she wants. And, and all the income's the same and the tax is the same. All that stuff's the same. But if I give it to her one way, it is protected from her future creditors. Uh, if I give it to her another way, it's not. Um, well, I like the idea of it being protected because that's my half I'm giving to her. I want to protect that from her future creditors. And by the way, Tracy does too because we have the same kids. And and she says she doesn't want some future creditor to have a right to it either. So can we do that? And if someone says, that might be a good idea, let's put that on the list. And then just about the time you put that on the list, you say, well, wait a minute. What's the What's the good part of that? Well, the good part of that plan was I could protect, we could protect half of everything after one spouse dies. That sounds great. What's the downside of that? Well, the downside is we're not going to protect anything until one spouse dies. So what if there's a creditor while we're both living? You go, oh, well, we're married, so there's we're not going to have any future spouses while we're both living. But, uh, you know, then it gets more to probably the long-term care side or the nursing home cost. You say, well, instead of protecting half of everything I have from Tracy's future nursing home nursing home cost after I die, can we protect all of what Tracy and I have ahead of time? If you know, why don't we just fast forward this plan? Instead of putting half of it in there after one spouse dies, can we put all of it in there uh, and do this same thing while we're both living? And I say, well, I think we can. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's put that on the list. So, so I would say that is really where the list starts. How do you want to do it? You know, getting back to Barbara's question, do you want to go through the probate? Do you want to make it easy? Do you want to make it more complicated? Do you want to make it more expensive? Do you want to make it less expensive? Uh, do you want to protect things after one spouse dies? And of course, then after we both pass away, how does it go to our kids? You know, do we want our, our children to be able to keep it or is it subjected to their creditors too? And at some point, um, you kind of start to see, uh, it takes a little bit longer because we're going to talk about all the people specifically, but you kind of start to see the, the beginnings of a plan. And that's really what we're talking about. You know, the Internet has made everything easier for people to do by themselves. Um, everything from medical diagnosis to investments to uh, doing going on Reddit and uh, and uh, bringing down the stock <laughs> everything. market. Everything yeah. you can do your, yourself these days. What's a, Why is it a bad idea, in your opinion, and I know you have a vested interest here, but mm -hmm. why is it a bad idea, in your opinion, for someone to try to set all of this stuff up themselves just using stuff they can find on the Internet? Well, I think sometimes it's the questions. Um, I think what that is really good for is uh, 
is, is really what is just the, you know, if you just need a form, then no problem. Uh, if you just, even if, if someone said, you know, we'll have people uh, all the time where once we, we go through the, the initial process, they say, okay, this makes the most sense. And then I say, you know, we, maybe when we get back together, then we're going to talk about all of the details, every little tiny detail about family. And, and people will say, well, can you just send me all the questions ahead of time? And, and I say, no, I can't actually, because I don't know what the questions are. I don't know what the questions are going to be until you answer the first two or three or four. Um, but once you answer those, then, then the conversation goes in different directions. And there's a lot of nuance to it. Um, if someone said that they, they, they just wanted a form, I'll tell you one, one place the internet's really good is something like uh, the, the powers of attorney for health care. That is very um, standardized in Wisconsin, in most states. Um, it's very standardized. It's very homogenized. You know, you just, everyone fills out the same form. They check the same questions the same way. You sign it in the same place. Um, every doctor has been trained on the exact same language. You know, Wisconsin's used, the, frankly, Wisconsin's used the same language for over 20 years um, and, and almost 30 years at this point. And, and you just use the same language. And I think for that, works great. For other things, you know, we'll have people where even after you ask the question, uh, they'll say, well, what is it and how does that work? And we can talk about that in very um, um, just kind of standardized language that you could read out of a book or a paragraph or, or an, an Internet question. But when someone says, well, how does that really work? Like, how does that work? Um, to, what is the best way to handle this particular situation? Also considering that that child of mine is married to someone. And maybe they're married to a wonderful person, or maybe they're married to someone who's not so wonderful. Or maybe they have kids, or maybe they have kids with health issues, or maybe they have kids who, who have uh, decision-making difficulties. You know, and there's so much nuance to it that I think it does get to be a challenge. You'd be able to answer that question better than Alexa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with attorney Alan Haugam in Wausau. I just, I just showed Alan there's a there's a video going around of uh, Aaron Rodgers in the back of a pickup truck in Green Bay holding onto a case of what I think is Miller Lite. Um, apparently some guy was stopped at a stoplight and there was a pickup truck in front of him and uh, he said, hey, that's Aaron Rodgers. And it was. He apparently is in the back of David Bakhtiari's pickup truck. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Tom, I've, I've... And, and Rodgers admitted to it online, said, yeah, that's me. Wow. <laughs> like that is, uh, I think we like him just a little bit more now than he's we a, did before. A true Wisconsin guy he right is. now. Yeah, he's become a Wisconsin guy. We're giving Hopefully him permanent he'll residency. Stay, he'll stay a Wisconsin guy. Right. Jeez. We've got a few minutes left. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. Uh, here on WSAU. Uh, what do you want to talk about in the last few minutes here? You know, I think the other thing, too, uh, is once someone does pass away, um, there is really a big difference in how things get administered. Um, we do have, uh, and I, I would say that that is one where, you know, we talk all the time about, well, get things done ahead of time. You can do it ahead of time. Do it ahead of time. You know, this is one where if something does happen, there is a benefit to to at least talking to someone to, to getting the ground rules. We have a, an exceptional group of people. I, I'm a little bit biased for the for the folks who work at, at our office um, doing the, the probates and the trust administrations, even, you know, if there's a, a long-term care issue in the, you know, how do you navigate the Medicaid process or the nursing home process. But there really is a difference in in 
the, 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 how that gets done efficiently and effectively, and it saves money. You know, it's the kind of thing where sometimes people say, well, uh, I, I, you know, my family member named me as the personal representative or as the trustee after someone passed away. So I guess that means that it's all on my shoulders and I have to just, you know, bear this burden and get it done. And, and by golly, I can get it done. You know, I am capable of it. And I think that might be true and, and not to take anything away from anyone, um, in that regard, but it is one where just getting things done a little bit easier, a little bit more quickly, um, save uh, capital gains tax money by doing things the right way. Save extra, sometimes just income tax money, depending on how you transfer uh, certain types of accounts. You know, because people say, "Well, it's just what is set on the account," so I guess that's how we do it. But we might talk to people and say, "Well, there's two or three different ways you can do that. You have options, and this one might save you a couple of tax dollars. Would you like to do that?" And this is after someone passes away, um, and it doesn't matter if it was a client of ours or not, or any of those kinds of things. Find, or find anyone; it doesn't have to be our firm. Find anyone that you really like or really trust who just does this professionally, and even talk to them about, um, you know, can you talk to them? You don't have to hire them. You know, talk to them ahead of time and say, um, "What has to happen?" You know, we have a list in our office, and. Um, you know, uh, uh, Mickey and Sarah and, and, and Kath are probably going to uh, correct me when I get back on Monday. But I think we have a process where um, people say, well, if, uh, if one person dies, we just, you know, kind of gather up all stuff, pay the bills and, and distribute it. Right. And, and we'll pull it out. And I think there are 73 different items that have to be accomplished. Uh, some of those take a little time. Some of those don't take very much time at all. But you really have to just check them all off and make sure that every one of these is done. Because if you don't, then you run into that issue um, almost like Barbara was talking about, you know, is there a time limit? Well, you might be reopening that probate or you might be reopening that administration years later. <laughs> I so would, you just want to you make sure they're all covered ahead of time. I would imagine that everyone listening and everyone who deals with that has no idea that there are 73 no. things that need to be done. So obviously getting a professional plan put together would allow them to even know what they need to do and avoid probate by doing that. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's probably true. You know, it, it's, do you plan ahead of time? I think first of all, plan ahead of time to do as little as possible, but even after you pass away, um, you know, just organizing that. And sometimes we'll have people say, nope. And it, it's almost like, this is my burden. You know, this is uh, someone named me as the person. So I will shoulder that burden and, and, and carry on <laughs> with a stiff upper lip and, uh-huh. a, and, a, and a, you know, and you say, well, you don't have to, because the people doing the work are one, often one generation younger. They, they're married, they have jobs, they have kids, they have lives, they have things going on. And if someone said, if, if, if you really knew all the things you're going to do over the next year or year and a half or two years because it's not done efficiently, you know, some people, they, you know, if they really knew that ahead of time, they'd probably turn white and just say, just take care of it. So that is, is there is a real value added to people understanding that and just saying, we can do this efficiently, or, or at least here's what, what you need to do. And then you can decide whether you say, I'm still going to do it. Great. I want to do those 73 things or, or whatever the number is, or I need a little bit of help on a couple of them. You know, we only have a couple of minutes left, so we don't have time to get into this in depth. And we've done it on the shows before, but there is a time period involved when you're talking about protecting things from nursing home care mm-hmm. that you need to do ahead of time, whether it be five years, seven years, 10 years. So that, that's a time period that has to be looked at before. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and that's one where we'll talk to people. I, I always tell people, I think if anyone in the sound of my voice has a relative who is currently in a nursing home uh, and has any assets left, we can save some of them. Um, if you don't do anything, you save none of them. Uh, but we can save some of them, even, even after that situation has started. How much you save, though, that depends on how far in advance you start. So if someone says, we've talked to people who are 85 and they say, I I don't think I have five years. Like, I I really do think I legitimately will need long-term care within two or three years. There's just no way I'm getting to five. 
great. We can protect uh, a certain amount. Can we protect half of it? Yep. Maybe a little bit more than half, maybe a little bit more than that. And it gets a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, and then what happens is their kids will say, well, wait a minute. Those are my parents. I'm 58. Uh, when do I do it? Like, why wouldn't I do it now? Like, well, well, you you probably, it's easier to say that you have five years ahead of time. So you can always help someone, even at a really late date, but how much they can protect or how much you help them. That's where the time frame comes in. That's what, you know, how far ahead of time can we get it started? All right. Well, we're almost out of time for today. If folks want to get these things started and make that first appointment with you, uh, how do they go about doing that? Well, probably the easiest way is uh, our phone number. We have an office on the west side of Wausau. Our phone number is 715-843-5001. 843-5001. Or on the internet, it's haugumlaw.com. H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W. Haugumlaw.com. All right. I would imagine we'll talk to you again down the road. Appreciate I think we will. Here. We'll be able to uh, navigate that board and uh, be uh, just like uh, second nature. That's right. So uh, I go and uh, play with GameStop and, and American <laughs> Airlines and all those other stocks today. I know you're going to go on Reddit as soon as we're done here. Right. right? I'm, I'm going to read about it, but I don't think we're going to put the uh, the the modest Haugam family fortune into GameStop all right. today. Well, all, all right. Well, good. We'll talk to you down the road. That's Thanks, Tom. Have a good Alan day. Alan Haugam and Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau. We're going to take a break and then come back with the news. We've got the Polka Shows coming up as